It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Today, we're taking it way back to 1998 for this episode of Beyond the Booth with Jesse Agler. The Padres are celebrating the 20th anniversary of their National League Championship team, and we're sitting down with some members of that team, Craig Vaughn and Mark Sweeney, and one of the broadcasters that told their story, Ted Leitner. The trip down memory lane features some of their favorite moments, the personalities that made for an incredible team chemistry, and much more. Here's the third episode of Beyond the Booth with Jesse Agler, taking you back to that special season in 1998. Welcome to Beyond the Booth. This is episode three. If you missed episode one with Trevor Hoffman or episode two with Austin Hedges, you're going to want to check those out. Uh, This one is a little bit uh, a trip down memory lane, to say the least. 1998, 20 years ago, the Padres won their second National League pennant. And uh, all season long at Petco Park, we are celebrating uh, those National League pennant winners. And so today... We're going to sit down with uh, three people who were there and who I think really bring different perspectives and can tell the the entire story of 1998. Uh, a star player, a guy who had 50 home runs, Greg Vaughn, a bench player, tremendous pinch hitter, and a huge part of the clubhouse culture of that 1998 team, Mark Sweeney, and a guy who broadcast uh, those games and many before and many since, Ted Leitner. Hope you enjoy it. I'll let these guys speak for themselves. Big time trip down memory lane, 1998. All weekend, we've been visiting uh, with members of the 1998 Padres. All season, we're celebrating the 20th anniversary of that National League championship team. Uh, Let's go back in time a little bit to start this thing off. And Greg, we'll begin with you. You arrived from Milwaukee at the deadline in 96. When you got here, what did you know about the Padres? What did you think about the Padres? Well, I I didn't know a a whole lot. You know, I knew they had a lot of good players, you know, uh, I know coming here on vacation, it was always nice. You know what I mean? And But like I said, you know, the games were so late. And if you played on the East Coast, you know, you really never got to really see them in small market. So, you know, you heard about Tony or Steve Garvey or Winfield. You know, then Cammy was over here. But then when I got here, it was very, very unique. A great bunch of guys, you know what I mean? And like I said, it was easy to transition, you know, over here. You know, it was a little bit easier in the locker room than the umpires. They thought I was a rookie again, you know what I mean? First thing they said to me, welcome to the big leagues. You know, I was like, damn, I've had eight years in, you know what I mean? (laughs) We've heard a lot about that clubhouse. Mark, you get there the next year, uh, or here, I guess, in in 97, June of that season. What do you remember about your arrival in San Diego? Uh, Much like Greg said, uh, the talent was definitely there. Um, You have an icon in Tony um, you have talent. You have a 96 MVP in, in Cami. So the structure of especially offense was there. Um, we all knew how good Andy Ashby was, but I don't think Andy Ashby knew how good he was. Um, and it was a surprise to hear a different perspective on that. But uh, it, it was. It was just one of those things that when I went into the locker room, it was kind of uh, – Odds, odd dropping when you start looking around the room and you see the names on the back of the jerseys. 
Um, and of course you have an icon and Tony. So, um, it was a, it was a pleasure. I just had to try to fit in and that, that was always my job. Teddy, you go back to 96, the team wins 91 games. They win the West. They go to the playoffs. Did that feel like the start of this, that 96 team? It really did. It really, really did. And, and, and just, uh, watching that season and that was a season unlike, you know, 84 was all we had to hang a hat on to see one really, really good team that had not no glaring weaknesses and 96, I thought, was it. And it had that drop down when it didn't have the pitching, had great hitting in 97. But 96, I thought, wow, wow, this club, and nobody's that old, is going to do this for a good number of years. And uh, did it for several, at least, you know, 96, uh, 98. And uh, it, was, uh, it was wonderful. Because people, you know, I think you appreciate it more when you don't have it. Yeah. And it's not like in the winning of the Montreal Canadiens years ago and the Yankees and the Boston Celtics and those great runs in the 60s. We haven't had that here. And, boy, I just appreciate it. And I know the fans did tremendously. So you mentioned lack of pitching. I think that's a good segue then. A lot of times from guys this weekend I've heard about Kevin Brown and that sign or that trade in, in December of 97 going into the 98 team. A lot of people have said that seemed like the moment, like, okay, that, that changed a lot of things. Is that how you remember, Greg? Yeah, and, and me and KB, we go back, you know, because yeah. he was at Georgia Tech when I was at Miami. So, and when he was in the American League, I was playing against them. So it was nice to have him on your team. And, yeah, it was intensity. I mean, he, he was one fierce competitor, you know what I mean? And I, I think it, it was good because, you know, you had, you know, young pitchers somewhat like Joey and those guys, someone who set the tone. And you had Hoffy, who was a, the ultimate pro, you know what I mean? But when you have a bullpen guy and you have starting pitchers, Hoffy was a great leader. Like I said, he he, he led, and, and he was a, a bullpen guy, you know what I mean? But when you have Kevin Brown, who's there every single day, every at-bat is, is important. You know, he's watching pitchers. When we're up there hitting, you know, mm-hmm. hey, this guy's doing this. I mean, he was just he, – he brought a, a different dynamic, you know, that I think uh, – you know, the great ones have. I think all of us, when we we grabbed Kevin Brown, realized that it was kind of like the pitching version of Ken Caminetti. Mm-hmm. We had an attitude. Um, every team needs to um, grab, grab a, an identity. Uh, we grabbed it with a trade immediately. It usually takes some time. And I, I just thought Kevin Brown set a different tone in our locker room. And then it was about having fun because we knew every fifth day we had an opportunity to not only win, but dominate. Um, And it goes back to Andy Ashby where I said, Andy didn't think he was that good. Andy took it to another level, obviously an all-star in 98. So then you have a one-two punch and then the next guy filters in. It becomes a competition. Um, That's what an ace does. It's, It's typically not used around in baseball now. But Kevin Brown was our ace easily, but everyone else was better because of him. And it fascinates me listen to what Greg said about we picked up a pitcher. And, and you guys know, pitchers go every fifth day. Relievers, you don't know when. They're not normally the leaders on ball clubs. It's everyday players. This group had it at both levels, like these two guys just said, with a Kevin Brown. And I would watch sometimes the young, the young guys watch Trevor. You know, whatever he did, they did. They learned how to be a pro from Trevor and, to a lesser extent, Kevin, but they were more gravitated, maybe with personality with, with Trevor, that that's – I'm sorry. you got to really look at a, a teams through the years to find where you had leadership with Caminetti's and Sweeney's and, and Bonds and guys like that and pitchers who were that tough 
and leaders, that's a remarkable team. Yeah, Greg, we, we've heard also so much this weekend about the, the chemistry in the clubhouse and, and how tight the team was and how much fun they had, but how much intensity there was as well. With different guys coming in at different points, that's not necessarily the easiest thing. It's not like a group of guys that all came up through the minors together. You know, those, those recent Kansas City teams, the Hosmer teams, that's what everybody said. Ah, oh, they all came up together through the minors, so they were tight, you know, before they even had success in the big leagues. It's a different thing when you got a bunch of guys coming from a different place. Yeah, it is. I think, uh, you know, that you got to give credit to uh, KT. You know what I mean? Uh, he knew certain personalities were going to fit this, you know, in this clubhouse. And I think, you know, with Tony, you know, this is Tony's town. This is Tony's team. No one's come, you know, coming here trying to take that away. We all understood that. But, you know, Tony didn't talk a whole lot. You know, even, even Brownie. Brownie didn't really. Good point. You know, he really didn't talk a lot. Me, me and Swing, we talked a lot all the time. You know, <laughs> Too much. Yeah, yeah. I know. That's probably why they traded me. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I went with them. <laughs> yeah, he went with me. Yeah. So there you go. You know, it's a, it's different. I mean, like I said, I was a football player to play baseball. And, uh, you know, but once it was over or preparing for it, I mean, you have to have fun. You know what I mean? And there were times, I'm not going to say, you know, some guys didn't want to buy into it. But eventually, they got it. They, You know, otherwise... It's going to be miserable for him, you know what I mean? And and like I said, we still have a great, great chemistry. We have a text chain, like I said, right now I can pull it up. It went off this morning, yeah. and it's 20-plus guys, you know, with Boach and Trainers Hutch. We don't have the Vulture on there, uh, but, <laughs> you know, but everybody, you know, it's, it's a tough team. You know, like I said, we were tough mentally, tough physically, and I think we all checked, you know, ate that humble pie, so to speak, and we didn't we didn't care who got, you know, who got the front uh, front page glory? It was just let's get it done. Every day was someone different. We had we had a, sorry, Jess. Yeah. We had a lot of stars, uh, which always helps. You need talent, but these stars were were humble and they afforded the part time players and the guys, the role players like myself, to be their own person. And that's rare because usually those guys want a lot of notoriety. These guys didn't, um, and they. They knew they had to go out there and win ball games, but they also knew that it took a boatload of guys to go out there and fight. And I'll tell you this, it was easy to root for Greg hitting 50 home runs. This one is hit deep down the left field line. It might be, and it is number 50 for Greg Bond. And you look at one of those moments, and it's the last at bat of the year that he gets and we were dying for him to get 50 because we understood he carried us for two and a half three months and then he has that moment and it was like a college home run because everyone felt like they hit it and they also wanted to celebrate it and it really is a culmination of what it went through for every situation if you were going for a record or you're going for something that was nostalgic in a, in a great career, like a Caminetti and Wally Joyner and, and Finley, we all celebrated it. And it was genuine. Sometimes that's not always genuine. It was with us. And that's the reason why chemistry really had a lot to do with our success. And I think, I think a great example of this for Padre fans to understand exactly what these two guys are saying is to look at the Padres a couple of years ago in 15, where just like Vaughn said, came, we came from all over the place. We didn't come up together, but there was a bonding there. And the Padres went out, they got Matt Kemp, and they got Kimbrell, and they got Justin Upton, and they got all these and Norris to catch and all these other guys. And it didn't work. 
the chemistry was not there. That's why when Sweeney says, hey, that chemistry matters. Lucchino always joke about that when he was here. Larry would say, I don't care about chemistry. I care about biology. Big, strong, that thing. Biology is more important than chemistry. But this group versus, and no offense to Kemp and those guys, that group had none of what you guys had, and they had to break the team up. And it won, what, fewer games than the previous year. Mm -hmm. That's, I think, the best example of what chemistry really is. I think you put it perfectly uh, in the ceremony this weekend, Ted. You you said they might all be retired, but they're still a team. Oh, yeah. And I think that's what you guys are all underscoring. Yeah, we are. You know, know, what Mark said, it's even – I don't even think it was college. I think it was like the Little League World Series, you know. When I I rounded third base, I see my whole team waiting for me at home plate. You know, that's that's something you don't see. I mean, they're literally waiting for me at home plate. And, you know, I went down. I had a month and a half to do it. You know what I mean? I just think, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know why. You know, I waited to the last at bat. I went in the tunnel. I said, you know what? I said, dummy, 49's all right, too. You know you're still a good year. Yeah. Then he threw me the hanging slider. I said, thank God. <laughs> get up, get up. You know, and then, uh, like I said, I rounded third, and my whole team is at home plate. You know, so, and like I said, we – it's something special, you know what I mean? Uh, I played on a lot of teams, and I still have a lot of friends from other places, but there's nothing like this. This this is uh, it's unique, you know. And I, I think I learned the right way because when I came up at 22, you know, I had Robin Yount, Paul Molitor, mm. you know. So you have to have guys around to teach you how to be a pro. And when your leaders are doing it the right way, you have to follow, you know what I mean? It's easy to follow. But if they're not doing it the right way, then it goes back to chemistry. Yeah. You know what I mean? If it's me, me, I, I, then, you know. It's over. Yeah, they mm-hmm. don't like them. Yeah, that's an excellent point. By the way, as, as Greg is telling the story about the home run he hit 20 years ago, huge smile on his face even now, which is beautiful. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw each of you a name, and you take it any direction you want. Teddy, I'll start with you. Ken Caminetti. I never. I mentioned during the ceremony, it was like a meteor crossing the sky. Even Tony Gwynn, when he came up, it was a San Diego State guy, had a great reputation as a hitter, but the fans were not, you know, gaga about him. This was a guy where people would call the front office and say, I've had uh, season tickets here on the first baseline for five years. Could you get me comparable tickets on the third baseline? And they knew what was coming because they've had nine calls earlier that day about the same thing. How come? I, I just want to be close to Cammy. I want to be close and watch him. He was a rock star. He was the only rock star like that that I'd ever seen on this in this franchise. Garvey was a big name and a Dodger, the big first free agent. Garvey had a little of that, but Cammy had it to where we were in Hawaii for that series. And my wife at the time, we were walking to the bus, and I said, uh, you want to meet Ken Caminetti? And she said, God, yes. <laughs> it was that. It was rock star. They had shots him on the motorcycle with his shirt off, and, and, and women, women would ooh and ah in the, in the stands while you guys were playing. Plus his toughness, his talent, the way that he would run, you know, uh, uh, against home runs with his arm against his, his body because it was just shredded wheat in there around, around the rotator cuff and, and everything else where the doctor operated at the end of that season and said, this is spaghetti in here. This guy played baseball. That toughness, that those piercing eyes. No, he was uh, to be in the Padre Hall of Fame after four years. Anybody who had an argument with that didn't play with him. Mm-hmm. Very nice, Greg. I'll I'll send you Tony Gwynn's name. Another big smile. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen anything like it. And like I said, I played with a lot of Hall of Famers, and no disrespect. Like I said, those guys, they're 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 great, but I. I never seen one 
quite like this where he he didn't you know you see you talk about guys that you know hit you know like singles he would always say oh i don't hit for power but then all of a sudden if he wanted to hit home run he hit home run you know what i mean but he and if you think about his philosophy it was pretty simple it sounded simple but it really wasn't because I used to yell at him all the time. He's like, come on, man, just get, get your foot down and take the swing. I'm like, if you say that to me one more time, you know what I mean? Because, I mean, literally, a guy would vacate a spot. I don't know how he's seen it, but that ball was going, whoever vacated. And he didn't dodge anybody. I remember he's never faced Randy Johnson. And he's like, man, I can't wait to face Randy Johnson. I'm like, dude, really? I'm right-handed, and it's... It's not that great of an experience, but okay. And, you know, I had some success often. But like I said, a lot of guys, you know, you think about batting titles and, and that type of player, they they play when they want to. You know, they leave certain guys, you know, they got a scratch on a contact or, you know, their back hurts. Tight hamstring. <laughs> Tight hamstring. Oh, my back, my back. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's – Tony, he, he, he wanted to face everybody so he can say, you know, he faced the best. And like I said, he was another guy that really didn't talk a lot, you know, and uh, he was, you know, he, he accepted Gary Coleman and, you know what I mean? He, we, that's what, that was his nickname, and we weren't going to let anybody off. It didn't matter who it no. was, from well, KT, Boach. It, yeah. I mean, it was, if you're going to be part of this team, you were going to get a nickname and you're going you're gonna <laughs> to live with it or be miserable the rest of the year, you know? Yeah. So you just bought into it, and, and it was out of love. It wasn't, you know, we, it wasn't out of, you know, trying to be mean or mean spirited. You know, it was out of love. And yours was. <laughs> Go ahead, Mark. Darius Rucker. <laughs> yeah, David. Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They you and me, ideas, we come from different worlds. <laughs> man. Yeah, I was. Uh, and then I got a chance to meet him, and I said, "Dude, they." Used to- I'm twice as big as him, though. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, we know you're bigger, but you look like him. Yeah, you know. He- <laughs> They're still laughing about it. You know, Mark's nothing against Shade, but you know, the singer, she had a lot of exposed she forehead because forehead she yeah. pulled her hair back. You know, but now, that was his nickname. You know, and then, you know, Flan. I loved Davey, every minute you know, of it. Hollow Notes, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Just, you know, KT was snacks. You know, it was nobody was off limits. It, yep. was, it, was, it was beautiful, but like I said, everyone. They they loved it, you know what I mean. It was it was just part of that team. I mean, we we still do things together, you know. Yeah. It's it's awesome. Our bus rides were epic, and oh, and it was judged by all our laughter and our cheeks hurting after the bus ride. But <laughs> you look up and you saw Tony Gwynn in the front seat, and his shoulders were shaking because he was laughing. He didn't oh, want to yeah. turn around because he probably could get more. Yeah, yeah, he was but aware. He, was he aware. enjoyed yeah. it, and we've heard Tony Gwynn Jr. talk about it, which I think is remarkable. He said, my dad never had more fun in the game that year. And it was important for us to to give him that fun because we knew at his craft he locked it in. And to Greg's point, he didn't say much, but, man, was he having fun. And we put him on the main stage. Unfortunately, we didn't get him the ring, but we put him on the main stage, and that was the greatest part. I, and I hit with him every day, you know what I mean? I, yeah. I think I had, like, three or four all-star teams already in eight years, and I felt like a rookie when I started hitting with him, you know what I mean? And it. Like I said, he didn't he didn't say too much, but you know when I got traded, him and Hoffy once again. I mean they were outspoken. You know they were, so I mean that's what I played for. You know the respect of my peers, my teammates, and uh, 
you know, not all of us can go to that special place where Hoffie's going, but when you have the respect of your teammates and peers, that was the first time I've ever seen Tony go the other way. Like, what the, are we doing? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? You know, so that made me feel good. You know what I mean? I knew, you know, we, we wanted we wanted another run at it. You know what I mean? We, we wanted another run, but I knew he, I hit with the guy every single day, and he didn't let a lot of people in, you know? And I was fortunate enough to be from both kids' weddings to... I was in, and I was—I don't know how I was in, but I was in, probably because I didn't let him off the hook about anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, you earned your way in, of course. <laughs> to your point, though, Tony Jr. He said to me the other day, we were talking about it on the air. He said, "My dad came out of his shell mm -hmm. in 1998." That's that's the way he put it. All right, we mentioned the Hall of Fame and where Trevor's going. Trevor Hoffman, Mark Sweeney. Uh, both perspectives, man. I, I, I've competed against him and been on his team. Um, the ultimate pro. Uh, the ultimate teammate, the guy that you um, respected, but also you watched him like a hawk, and, man, did he outwork you. Um, and dominating, a, a, a true Hall of Famer. So I think all of us realize that we've been around him, and I know, Teddy, you can probably agree. Mm -hmm. This guy was a Hall of Famer, first ballot Hall of Famer, because of how he treated the game and how dominating he was. For a long period of time, I think unfortunately we're going to talk about Marion Rivera. If you put Trevor Hoffman in New York, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, of course, um, because of the the way he does it. Trevor to me is more than a baseball player. I think everyone says that, but when you're around him, you realize that he's just a really classy dude, and he because of his brothers. Wants to be a regular guy, and he's a superstar, but he still continues to want to be a regular guy. And when we had the dinners that we had on the road, um, it was forefront for Trevor to be there, to be a, a, a let loose, to have fun, and uh, he could lock it in in the ninth inning with the best of them, but he could also let it loose, and we needed that. We needed to see it from him. But I'm just uh, I'm honored to not only compete against him, but also be his teammate and be there in the same uniform. Um, it was a thrill that you can't you can't pass up with Trevor. And this is kind of a silly story, but Greg mentioned about when you get to a team and you learn from others, you know, and you become that that culture. And you you better be you better get with the program, or Caminetti or Vaughn's going to be in your face. And it's a silly little story, but when when Trevor was in Little League, he came home and his older brothers said to him. How'd you do today? And then Hoffy said, I was two for three and a walk. And Glenn said, no, no, no. I don't mean, when I say, how did you do today? I don't mean you. I mean your team. Your team is the only thing that matters. Silly little story when he's 12 or whatever, but he took that to heart and he became that. He learned that before he got here, before he got to Miami, before he got here, he learned that from his brothers. Like Greg was talking about, you got to learn how to be a, a a real team player and a pro, and that's what Tony. Was, and that's where Tre Trevor really learned early. Yeah, he and like I said too, he. I mean, he's not just a class. I mean, he's a class act, but like I said, he has more fun than anybody. But you know, being on a team, and you know, me and Mark can attest to this. You know, playing on five different teams, and you don't, you know, you don't have too many guys when that song comes on that you know the game's over. Mm -hmm. you, you, you know what I mean? I've been on a lot of teams where it wasn't over. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but with Trevor, it, it, it was over, you know. And uh, like I said, as all his accomplishments, like I said, he's the most humble person in the world. He, he's just 
one of us. And it's it, and it's that's, that's special. You know what I mean? Like I said, that whole team, nobody, everyone would just let us be ourselves. And I knew I, I was a little loony from you know about an hour before the game until an hour after. You know, I, I was a football player that played baseball. You know, and uh, that worked. You know what I mean? It it worked. You know, we had Merv who. Not, you know, like I said, it was, we were, you know, our work was fun. It was fun to come to the ballpark. We look forward to it, you know, and uh, even on bad teams, I can say, you know, I'm being blessed to play baseball, but it wasn't always fun. You know what I mean? People say, oh, you're making all this money, this and that. And they're absolutely right. We do get paid, you know, to play this game, but it was true. There's only a few teams that I could say was fun. And there was no place funner than this. You know, every day I look forward to it from, from the coaches, you know, to all, all the way down from Boach. I mean, it was, and it starts at the top from ownerships. I told Mr. Morris last night, it said, you were a big reason that all this happened, you know, because as humble as he is for what his net worth is, you know <laughs> what I mean? Uh, you couldn't tell. You know, everyone's invited into your home, their home. They, there was a family atmosphere. I mean, shoot, twice a month there was something going on after a game or an off day here at the ballpark, and it started at the top. You know, and he never threw anybody under the bus. I mean, everything. Like I said, it was first class all all the way, but it started at the top. I remember seeing Brian Boringer, who was here this weekend, on the road a few years after he was traded to the Giants, and unsolicited, he said, "Ted, you know." When I went to the Giants and I came back, we came back to Petco Park, and they played Hell's Bells, and I got goosebumps. Mm-hmm. And I find myself at the, at the front railing there in awe watching Trevor run on the field. You don't hear that from players about other players too often. Yeah, I got goosebumps when I was facing him. And <laughs> I had to quickly eliminate that feeling because, honestly, it's admiration but then you start kicking in and go, you know what? I don't want to get embarrassed like mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of other players. But uh, it's not fun to be on the other side, and I think everyone thought that. A couple of really good fan questions came in. I want to get to those in a moment. First, though, big picture. Teddy, without the 1998 Padres, does Petco Park exist? No chance. No chance. These two guys right here and all the guys that came back and all the guys that played, whoever was called up at the end of August, like George Arias and anybody who contributed, there's no chance knowing this city, what I, what I call the, the people who do the voting on all these propositions each election day, the committee for no on everything. That's, that's us in San Diego. We're going to build it. No. How about a sports arena? No. Uh, what's it going to cost me? Uh, just an extra 17 cents a, a month. No. No. There's no way. Without these men and John Moores, as as Greg mentioned, there's no chance we're sitting in Petco Park right now. Hmm. All right. Adam on Twitter, I think is a great question. Do you think the team chemistry that the 98 guys had, dinners, etc., is possible to harness in today's game with the distractions of social media, personal brands? Mark, you're still around the game every day in your role at Fox Sports San Diego. It's obviously very different. To try and to try and build that chemistry now, I say I hope so, yeah. um, because not being uh, into a team dynamic and doing what we do, um, you're on the outskirts. You don't know how these guys are mentally uh, framed in in dealing with social media, dealing with all the things that they have to in the game. That being said, all it takes is looking over and saying, "Greg, you want to go grab dinner? Um, Brian Bowringer, you want to go grab dinner? Trevor, you want to go?" And the commitment to be able to learn your teammates um, beyond the game and beyond being in a uniform, beyond doning a, an SD on your chest, 
in wanting to know that person's personality, what he's all about, his family, everything else. Those are the first questions that everyone asked this weekend. It was about, hey, how's your family? How are you doing? And it's genuine. That's what it takes to gain that chemistry and the want to be able to go out there and have a dinner and leave the dinner and go, man, I'm, I just learned something about Greg. I just learned something about Trevor that I didn't know. That's an advantage moving forward because you fight for who you are next to. That's what we created. So, yes, I do believe it can happen. It's just a matter of, and Greg made the great point, Kevin Towers' new personality meant just as much as talent. When you have personality and guys that will stick out there and go for that, um, you can gain that chemistry. And it takes five guys, then you make it ten, then you make it fifteen, then you got something special. But you know, your best players have to do it. They have your best players because then the rest will follow. You know, it's. Uh, I, I think you can, but I, I think you have to have certain guys. Like I said, we had. Flan, we have Merv. They were they, they were more than just coaches. Mm -hmm. they, they they were leaders also. And if you know, you need to have that type those type of people on your staff or in the organization to help mold that. If you if you don't have any of those and just have yes men saying yes to everything you say, I don't I say no. Because you have to have some some people around that know how to do that. Some you know, everyone's not meant to be a leader. You know, but you, if you don't have any on the field, you better have some on that bench or on the coaching staff or somebody traveling around with the team. I don't know what you call them, but, you know, he, he gets you ready to play. And I think, you know, for me, and Mark was with me, when, we, when I got traded to Cincinnati and I had a good year and, you know, they got a chance to keep junior, you know, and, or get junior. So they couldn't afford both of us, you know, now, you know. Marge, you know, I don't blame him. He was the best player in the world. But they didn't win. And from Aaron Boone to, to Pokey, I mean, everybody, Sean Casey, did, what did, how come you guys are the best player in the world now? How come you guys don't win? We miss Vonnie. Vonnie got us ready to play every mm -hmm. day. And, 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 and like I said, I'm not, I wasn't the best player in the world, but I think I knew how to get people ready. You know what I mean? And uh, that's why I like the teaching part of it. You know, and it's it, it's fun. I mean, to learn about people and to really, I mean, we're all blessed. So, I mean, what do we have to complain about? You know what I mean? It's uh, it's easy, you know, and but you have to, everybody can't do it. You have to have certain people around. Last one, and, and it goes right to everything you guys are talking about. It comes from Campbell, and we've talked about the clubhouse and, and the leadership of the, on the coaching staff amongst the, the roster. And Campbell wants to know about Bruce Bochy and, and what he was like in 1998. And I imagine as a manager... You're going to be, even maybe in the same organization, you're going to be a completely different kind of manager for one team versus another based upon, you know, the, the number of veterans you have or the types of personalities you have. So Bruce Bochy 1998 was what? Bruce Bochy was a leader, obviously, and that's, you expect that, but it doesn't necessarily uh, coincide all the time. Um, I'll tell you this, from my own experience, he'd come up to me and say, hey, you're playing left today. And obviously, Vonnie's our left fielder. You're playing left. And I'm sitting there going, okay, he needs a day off. And then you go to batting practice, and he goes, no, Vonnie's back in there. Well, I knew why, because I knew Greg. And it wasn't like I was upset I wasn't in there and I wasn't playing. It was a matter of the manager saying, Greg, are you ready to play today? Well, his estimation was he wasn't, and he needed a day off. Greg 
and we all know it, he wanted to play every single day. It's like Freddie Galvis today. He would say, Boach, no, man, I want to play. I understand how important it is. I don't care if I'm 75%. I'm going to do some damage today. And to me, it's like stepping back and realizing, you know what? Boach is taking care of this. He's taking care of his everyday guys, which should happen. That's a leader to me. And I think Boach did a fabulous job at that. We played because there's injuries that happen in 162 games. But we knew that it was going to take 25 guys. But we also knew we were being led in the right direction. And, you know, like, uh, he was great at communicating. You know what I mean? He he would let you know what was going on and the truth. You know, you didn't have to read it in the paper. You didn't have to hear it from three different uh, you know, three other people. Boach, he'd call you in your office and say, this is, you know, what's going on. Even, you know, the first one that got traded here, you know, Ricky, who was, we were great friends. We had a platoon. And he said, both of us sitting there, he goes, I want to play both you guys, but you guys, you know, we have to get at bats for you. We have to get at bats for you. But how can I get mad at that? I mean, he he told me I didn't have to read it in the paper. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to hear about it through somebody else. But that's the difference. I think great coaches, they communicate. You know, the communication is big. And they make you feel important. You know what I mean? You know, how's your kids? You know, how, you know, what's what's going on? They, they, they know everything about you. You know, you're more than a, we spend a lot of time together. So it's more than just a teammate. You know, it's uh he, he he didn't have a lot of rules either. I mean, both rules were, hey, when the game starts, you play hard, and that's it. You know, we, we could tell jokes. He was the he was <laughs> in half of our jokes, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But he was, hey, you, you're paid to play, and I expect you to go hard every single day. We're not going to tie all this other stuff into it. And, you know, just play. And it, it was easy. And, you know, he would always say, ask me, Bonnie, you need a date? Nope. <laughs> Maybe, I know you're hurting. Today. How about it? Nope. Nope. <laughs> you made it nice and easy on him, too. I hate to use the cliche, but it's a, it, that's, that's, that's a player's manager. Yeah. And they're not always that way. And back in the old days, there were none of them like that. Because if Dick Williams, you know, and those guys came to, to, to Greg and said, uh, you got the day off, he didn't want to hear about the fact, I'm playing. I want to play, Skip. I just said, you got the day off. That kind of, They didn't communicate with the players. They were not players-type managers. And Cammy was the same way. Mm -hmm. And I finally asked Cammy, you okay with Boach in terms of playing? <laughs> And Cammy said, yeah, he's honest with me, and I try not to lie to him quite as much as I used to. <laughs> <laughs> and as you think about Cammy, I mean, you look at him, and, uh, you know, he, when I got traded, I lived with him. You know, I was in a hotel, and he's like, ah, don't move with me. <laughs> so I said, and, you know, I knew, I didn't know him, I knew of him. And I admired him because he reminded me of, like, Robin Yon and those guys. The old, you know, a lot like Hosmer. You know, I'd love and Kane, the Kansas City Royals, they play the game the right way. Yep. You know, they have but they have a lot of former players and, and developing the young guys. They have, you know, there's only one way to play, and everything else is wrong. You know, and Cammy with those piercing eyes, everyone thinks he was the meanest, tough. He is, I used to make him, he's the most <laughs> insecure person ever. He, I mean, and, we're, and I miss him to death, you know. Mm. And but I, but I live with him, and he was funny, you know, so... His outside appearance was, was sort of a facade, you know, but he played hard and he played hurt. And he, but that's that's all we knew. You know, we didn't, uh, I don't, 50%, 50, the only day you feel good is the first day of spring training. Yep. Yeah. And I'll tell you this, guys, uh, and it can't be unheard and unsaid, is Bruce Bochy would give a lot of credit to Kevin Towers. Uh, their relationship, 
um, transcendent throughout the whole organization through our our players. Um, we miss him dearly, and I know Boach, uh, it was absolutely crushed because of their close relationship. This, these were brothers, man, and you don't necessarily always have that chemistry between your GM and your manager. They have to communicate, obviously, but these guys were, you know, they could let loose, they could be uh, best friends, but also they could have arguments too, and I think that helped us know that we were guided by the right people. And he let any... You know, KT was special because he let Boats be Boats. You know what I mean? You know, he wasn't trying to manage the or the team from somewhere else. You know what I mean? He trusted Boats, and he knew Boats was the guy and let him do his thing. I think now, you know, I, I don't know. It's just it's just different. A lot, you know, you look at losing organizations or why people lose. I think you got too many hands in the too many chefs in the, ki- so in the kitchen, true. you know what I mean? You got too many chefs in the kitchen. Let baseball guys be baseball guys. I mean, you look at Dusty Baker. He's another one, too. You know, you know, you hear about guys that say they're players, managers. People love to play for Dusty. People love to play for Boach, you know. And Dusty's out of the game. All he does is win 100 games or 95 games every year. Yeah. And he gets fired, and his best player didn't play the second half last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why Boach is not here, because management's after John Moores and KT – would send assistant GMs down to Boach's office to hand him that day's lineup. And right in front of the assistant GM, Boach would crumble it up and throw it in his wastebasket. That's an old-time manager, player's manager, protecting Mm -hmm. these guys and don't tell me how to play, don't tell me who to play or when to play. And he was on, suddenly he was on banana peels, and he was gone. But I think that's why you need a little bit of the new with some of the old. I don't But you look at the teams that win. Their player development is all former players. They're not mm-hmm. this, you know. I mean, my son was in New York, and no disrespect to the Mets, but I would I would go there and I played. I forgot who the the coordinator was for for in charge of base running and outfield. But you got Mookie Wilson, you got all those guys, and those guys aren't involved in your. It's it's crazy to me how they don't incorporate the old. I mean, if you're gonna draft a kid, why wouldn't you have somebody that played at the highest level to help teach him? You, you know what I mean? And everyone's different. I mean, you get, the way you talk to Mark, you might not be the same way you talk to me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And me and Mark, I mean, shoot, we got traded together. I mean, he's one of my closest friends. We ate every day together. Mm-hmm. You, you know, and it's it's just different. It's a different atmosphere. Everybody, I guess not, has to agree with what everyone says. You know what I mean? And that wasn't the way it was. Well, this was a, a wonderful trip down memory lane. <laughs> I hope everybody enjoyed it. A big thank you. Mark Sweeney, Greg Vaughn, Ted Leiter. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you. That is as good as it gets. Uh, Again, huge thank you to all three of those guys. Hope you enjoyed that one. Remember, episode one, Trevor Hoffman. Episode two, Austin Hedges. If you haven't checked those out, please do. Subscribe to the podcast. Like the podcast. Comment on the podcast. uh, Whatever you like. Uh, Huge, huge thank you again to both of those guys. Or all three of those guys. Our producer in Beyond the Booth is Brendan Nieto. Our engineer is Becky. And the audio mixer of our podcast is Mackie Sasser. Again, thanks for hanging with us. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back soon with another episode of Beyond the Booth.